0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and Blue Mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. Today, we have Luke Pinio with The Village Drill. The Village Drill is a manual drill that allows you to drill wells of over 150 feet deep. The Village Drill is really unique because it's manual and you can use manual labor and it can go places that traditional drilling rigs cannot. So for places that do not have access to surface water or are very remote and rural, the Village Drill is a great solution that now can grant safe water solutions to those who previously did not have it. We hope you enjoy listening and take care. Really excited today to have Luke Pinio with the Village Drill. Luke is very involved with the water space and, like myself, a water lover and has been doing a lot of work in the water space. And without butchering too much about the Village Drill or some of your past, Luke, first, thank you for joining us here on the show. And I'd love for you to give us a little bit of a background on yourself and how you ended up here at the Village Drill.
1: Yeah, no, my pleasure, Kevin. Thank you for having me. It's been great getting to know what you guys do at Darley and Responsible, and I'm looking forward to learning more. So, yeah, a little background on me and how I got to work with the Village Drill. I have been in some form or another involved in this space since, uh, since 2010. Um, right after the, uh, the the earthquake in Haiti, I ended up going down there for two months and partnering. Loosely with a an organization called Innovative Water Technologies, which you're very familiar with, and the unit, uh, the Sunspring, we did a, about a dozen installs of those units down in Haiti. And um, afterwards, of course, it was a life-changing experience. And afterwards, I came back and started to work for them on a contracted basis, which led to me eventually working for a group called Warm Blankets Orphan Care which led eventually to me uh, founding my own organization, taking what I learned in Haiti, working with Innovative Water, as well as microfinance group called Esperanza. I'm taking those experiences and creating an organization called the World Thirst. And at World Thirst, one of our first projects that we started was a business around the technology, the village, the village drill. And it was some years later, that I got asked by John, the founder of The Village Drill, to come on and help build out their their sales effort uh, and, and, and their marketing arm as well. So that's that's how I came on board in just this last August. Really but cool. I, I've, I've been involved with The Village Drill for about five years in one, one form or another. So. Just
0: a meandering road and different water roles. Yeah, rolls.
1: yeah you, you can't predict it, man. You just bounce around.
0: Yeah, I love it. So tell me a little bit about what is The Village Drill how is it used and how is it beneficial for some of these communities that don't have access to surface water?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So the village drill in in short is a, it's a manual drill that uses a, a rotary flywheel technology to accomplish depths of up to 300 feet. So are we say 90 meters, which is actually 270 feet. That's a huge advantage being able to accomplish depths where you can reach the water table in most areas that we work in. As well, uh, one of the major advantages is that it can pack up into the back of a small truck and get into the deep rural areas that many, not many, all traditional drilling rigs uh, can't access. We have a group in the in the DRC that's taking the village drill down stream in a canoe and reaching villages water that have never, you know, before known anything other than getting water at the, you know, the, the, the pond down the path where the cows are also bathing, you know? So we're, we're finally able to get, uh, get into the deep areas and areas and get deep so under the ground.
0: You mentioned this rotary flywheel technology in term and I know that has to do with some of the, the manual nature of this, but th- th- tell me a little bit more on why the fact that it can be a manual drill is so significant compared to using a traditional drilling rig.
1: Yeah, sure. There's there's several benefits. It's you know the the first is is you're using manual labor. So in many of the countries in the developing world that we work in, labor is very cheap. So we're not only affording people uh, the opportunity to get water for their community, but we're offering, you know, a step up in some form of economic development as well. So we're hiring people from the community. It's uh, the flywheel makes it possible with four employees to you know accomplish these depths and going through any. Any water bearing rock. So it's with, uh, we have an attachment on the drill called a hydraulic rock ram that adds 6,000 pounds of pressure on the top of the drill and can get through with our, with our drag bit system can get through really difficult, uh, tough substrate. So without using, uh, you know, fuel and traditional methods, it keeps the overhead costs of, of operating the drill down. So add to that, the drill itself is only $18,000 because of its simplicity, where if you go out and buy a new, a new Traditional drill rig, you're going to be spending upwards of three, four hundred thousand plus wow. uh, on a on new rig.
0: So you're looking at an initial capital cost around eighteen thousand compared mm-hmm. to a traditional drilling rig, which you said is somewhere between three hundred and four hundred thousand. Is that correct?
1: I mean, up to up to a million. Yeah, I mean you'll 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 spend on some of these rigs. I mean, two hundred fifty. I heard the other day someone was purchasing a, a used rig for two hundred fifty thousand.
0: Wow. And then, so, so you're saying I, that once you, once you have this drill, which costs $18,000, you can reuse it, and then what is the cost of drilling each well?
1: Well, it certainly varies based on the region that you're in, so it's subjective to you know, local material costs and so on, but to actually poke a hole in the ground. So once, once the hole is actually in the ground, there's no difference in developing the well than there would be with a traditional drill rig, right? You can either put, just like a traditional drill rig, you can put either four-inch or six-inch casing in the hole. And the materials cost, you know, you have your gravel pack, you have the casing, you have cementing, you have uh, adding uh, a pump to the system, which most groups tend to go with the traditional India Mark II or the AfroDev pumps because they're they're the most reliable in these, in, and easily uh, fixable in these areas. On average, we're looking at about $1,200 per well as the the actual cost of, of doing a well. Wow. Well, that seems beyond that. So a lot of our teams will charge two, two to $3,000 per well, And then on top of that, they're paying down their drill, right? So they're starting a business and you can do a quick break, even on that, that, you know, it's not, not more than 20 wells before you've broken even on, you know, you're paying down your unit. So.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And really interesting to see how this is something that one it's manual Two, it's something that you can reuse it. And the fact that what I really like is that you can put this into the back of a truck, you can put this on a boat, and you can go to some of these very remote rural areas, which predominantly those are some of the places that are hit hardest on the fact that they have no surface water and they have to more often than not walk whatever, two, four, six hours a day to get the water. So the the ability to transport this on the truck or even on a boat to me seems to be one of those the factor is that really is, is, brings a lot of value with the village drill for a lot of these rural areas that have not experienced access to water before.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely sets it apart.
0: And so tell me a few case studies and applications. Where is the village drill installed and what are some experiences with some of the, the positive and even negative experiences that the village drill has experienced?
1: Yeah, well, currently, I mean, we're in, we're in 24 countries right now. So, I mean, if you go, we just actually launched a new website. So, if you check out villagedrill.com, you can go to our page, uh, the Village Drill Nation, and on that is a map that drops a pin on every country that we're in. So, some of the some of the more successful areas that we're in are. Uh, and and by successful I mean once once we sell a drill to an organization maintaining communication with that organization is sometimes difficult but we do our best to you know keep up on the drill and offer our services in an ongoing way to uh, make sure that that we're doing all we can to ensure the success of their team. But the ones that we have the best relationships with are uh, there's a group um, called Compassion Link in Vanuatu. They're killing it. Uh, we got a, a Rotary group in the Philippines. We've got a, a group called African Heartlink, I believe it is. They're doing upwards of 15 plus wells a year. And, you know, I have a pretty ambitious goal to join forces with several organizations to bring water to the whole country of Liberia by 2020. You know, so we're, we're a part of, part of uh, you know, efforts like that one. Uh, we have Kenya. Kenya is, is one of our main hubs. So in Mombasa, we have that's where we run our training program out of. So when we start a new team, we offer training. To the organization that purchased the drill, and we send them from Mombasa. So we just recently had a training in uh, Western Kenya, where the drill that we trained on was through a, a a group called Run for Life, and they have a they have a Run for Life marathon. And these guys these guys are also doing fifteen plus wells a year, and just doing a a, a great job. And uh, they allowed us to use their drill to run this training, where we had twenty plus people show up. From other organizations, as well as the trainers that were wanting to dispatch to new to new groups. It's really cool. And yeah, I'm looking yeah. at your website. You've got stuff in Puerto Rico, Guatemala,
0: Madagascar, Papua New Guinea. So really, all, a lot of places. And excited to see the the growth of it. And and you you'd mentioned that you you sell these to organizations that ultimately buy this and then set up a somewhat of a business model to then go and install. And drill wells around the area. Is that correct?
1: They absolutely can. Yeah, we. I mean, we offer for help in sharing with them uh, practices that have worked. You know, best practices. So what what other groups have done that's been that have been successful? Some organizations, like you'll have the, you know, we partner with uh, World Vision, the Red Cross, Samaritan's Purse. I mean, these groups just want to buy drills and have them on hand so that they can drill within their own network for, you know, a fraction of the cost of what it, what it takes with traditional drill rigs. Hmm. But then you have, you know, the mom pop missionaries in the middle of Mozambique that want to start a drill team with local, you know, entrepreneur, raise them up. And, and, you know, through that starting of that business, offering, you know, affordable access to safe water for the community that they serve. So there's also, there's a whole spectrum of different ways that, um, you know our partners, our customers approach uh, using their drill within the communities they serve
0: so then once these communities have the well, and I know we've you and I both be in the water space, we hear this quite a bit on how many failed water projects there are, and mm-hmm. once the well is drilled, are you working with these local organizations to kind of help them educate the locals on what needs to be done to maintain the well or kind of whether it's the capital costs or just the maintenance cost? I mean, what, what do you guys, how do you guys approach that in terms of not just drilling well, but actually having a well that's going to be functioning for one, five, 10, 20 years?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And yeah, you know that that's, that's you know, if you're in this space long enough, that's a subject that's, you know, near to my heart as well. You know, knowing how many failed projects there are out there. The other side of that coin is how many organizations are, are, you know, becoming wise to that reality and are, and are taking up the effort of rehabilitating wells. That's a whole nother podcast we could talk about. I love the effort that's being made there. But because we are a technology company and we offer the technology to organizations that then go and through their boots on the ground, implement the technology where our impact stops is at the team level. So then what they choose to implement beyond that point in educating the community, on best practices that's up to them so but what we do what we do suggest is when developing a team we say it takes between four and six team members to operate the drill but what we advise these teams to do if they're really are interested in, in a holistic picture of community development is that when they go into these communities to drill a well that they save room on their team to invite you know if it's one or two young men able-bodied young men from the community to, to join the team to go through the process of drilling the hole and developing the well so that they can become educated on, you know, the nuances to installing the pump, for example. I mean, you and I both know oftentimes it's like a $2 seal that breaks, which, you know, in the community's eyes renders the whole thing useless. But in reality, that's not the case. It's just there's this fear or misunderstanding about what actually is, you know, going on and what the the fix is and how simple it actually is. To get the well working again. So, what we, you know, as a hedge against that, we suggest that they invite somebody from the community in as kind of a first barrier to any issues so that they would be the first one that the community leaders come to in assessing what's wrong with the well.
0: Interesting. What do you see as one of the biggest barriers for the village drill? I mean, obviously, if in my mind, and obviously we're talking here on some of the big advantages of it being manual and portable and the low cost. What what are some of the the obstacles that you're encountering, whether it's cultural pushback or is it just funding, or what what are some of these I any mean, mm. barriers that you've faced, or or how are you approaching some of these issues to try and get more of these out in the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think maybe the biggest barrier that comes to mind is, and it's, I don't really honestly see it as a, as a major obstacle to to reaching those that we want to reach, but it would be. Beneficial to have, you know, the engineering of the drill allow for us to go deeper and quicker through harder substrate. So if you're drilling through granite, we don't suggest drilling through granite with the drill. It can go through granite, but it takes a long, long time. So if at some point, you know, the development and we, you know, we, the founding of this organization was in partnership with the BYU School of Engineering and they, they have continued to take up the ongoing development and engineering of the technology. So, if at some point, say we could go, you know, 500 feet and confidently drill through granite, that would be a huge win, mm-hmm. you know, and still maintain the same cost. Because there are certain regions, you know, that t- what they call it the ten twenty window, you know, like the, the no- north of, you know, like the Libya, Tunisia, you know, Saudi Arabia areas. That I mean, we just don't even we don't even call on groups out there because we know that, that you know, there are li- limitations to the drill that that we can't uh you know, at this point, overcome in terms of, I mean, we, we feel that what we have to offer for a a large portion of the countries that are, you know, considered underdeveloped or developing is a really good value, you know, to add to that, all the wearable parts, it was, you know, one of the fundamental principles of, you know, while engineering the drill was simplicity, right? So transportability, durability, and simplicity, and, you know, through filtering through simplicity, there's very few wearable parts on the drill, and all the wearable parts can easily be replaced in countries and areas where traditional drilling is already going on so like for instance the drill the, the drill bits can be replaced by drill bits used on traditional drilling rigs nice so if, and if you can't find it in you know in the areas that you're serving or within a reasonable distance then we do offer Selling parts and shipping them to you on, a, you know, on an ongoing basis if needed.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's important. And I mean, like the sunspring, it's also, it's good to have a lot of those consumables that can be sourced in country because you don't want whoever you're working with to be hamstring by, Hey, you have to buy filter X or component Y from us. And then all of a sudden it breaks and they have to wait six months to replace it. Yeah. So I love that nature of it. And I also, I think really for any time where there is not access to a surface water, which in a lot of places in Africa, that's the case. To me, this is a no-brainer, great turnkey solution that works as a optimal, low-cost drilling solution. And and from a Darley standpoint and a responsible standpoint, we're really excited to utilize the Village Drill as a manual drilling solution for these areas, and we've encountered quite a few places that need these dr- need these wells, and we were exploring getting our own drilling rig, and, and we're just happy to have stumbled upon you guys because it, this, to me, for 99% of the applications when you need a drill will do the job. And really excited to expand our partnership with you guys. And I know so you're gonna go here, go here shortly. But if people want to learn more about you or the Village Drill, uh, to get more information, how could they do that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So the easiest way probably is through the website. So there's there's contact contact us buttons all over the website where they can get in touch with somebody on our team, and we will uh, follow up within 24 hours with them.
0: And that, the website is what
1: villagedrill.com.
0: Villagedrill.com. Awesome. All right, Luke. Well, really thank you for your time today. We're excited to learn and talk more about the village drill and all the applications it can bring to developing worlds and their access to safe water. And we we look forward to uh, more communication with you here shortly.
1: Likewise, Kevin. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media at responsible and stay tuned for future episodes of the show.
1: We'll see you next time on the Rethinking H2O podcast.